Welcome back to the Facts About PACS. I'm Michaela Isler, NAPACS Executive Director, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Adam Belmar. Thank you very much, Michaela. I don't know about you, but I love a good State of the Union address. It's such an important night in American politics, and I like that it keeps me up past my bedtime sometimes. <laughs> me too. It's late night. It's the Super Bowl of politics, but I never miss it. And I was thinking that, you know, this year we should do what so many people do. Take a look at the issues, hard look at the issues. And for that, maybe we take a step back and look at a few bills still percolating in the 117th Congress that aim to do harm to employee-funded and business trade association PACs directly and indirectly. It's a good idea. So which ones do you have in mind? I have my eye on three bills in particular, Michaela. The Ban Corporate PACs Act, the Get Foreign Money Out of U.S. Elections Act, and the Bipartisan Partisan Ban on Congressional Stock Ownership Act of 2022. I'm game, Adam. And, you know, it's important that everyone have a good sense of what's lurking out there. It's something that we at NAPAC watch very closely and, and make sure that our members are informed as much as we are. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks so much, Adam, as always. And joining us now is our very own Andy Jones from Federal Street Strategies. Thanks for being back with us, Andy. Thanks, Michaela. It's great to be back on the number one PAC podcast in America. You got that right. And I'm glad you're doing a show focused on these pieces of legislation. So let's jump right into it. Andy, set the table for everybody. Give us facts about these bills under consideration in the 117th Congress. Okay. So there's a few bills that Congress is looking at right now or thinking about, and that they really speak to kind of bigger, broader issues about how members of Congress relate to the corporate community. The first bill that's been around for a while was introduced by Josh Harder several Congresses ago and has been reintroduced this year, the Ban Corporate PACs Act. So what this legislation does is it essentially just prohibits a for-profit company from having a PAC. This is something that's been around for a number of cycles. It started out as a campaign talking point on the uh, special election of Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania. Several years ago, he struck gold with it and he started talking about banning corporate PACs and he attributed that to his election, uh, winning that special election in a pretty tough seat. So the issue has some salience. While the bill itself doesn't have many sponsors, there are quite a few members of Congress, of course, who do not take corporate PAC money under the same sort of thinking that this bill represents. So it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. Next up, is the Give Foreign Money Out of U.S. Elections Act. This is a bill that was introduced by Congressman Jamie Raskin from Maryland. He pulled us out of a broader Democratic package of campaign finance reforms and election reforms that ultimately wasn't able to get 60 votes in the Senate. So what this bill does is it's, it's based on the idea that foreigners shouldn't be influencing our election and that foreign companies shouldn't be influencing our election. The past few election cycles, there have been a few instances where foreign enterprises have used super PACs to launder money or to hide their impact on elections. But what this bill would do is it would prohibit corporate PACs from operating if it was affiliated with a foreign-owned company, which would mean that Toyota wouldn't be allowed to have a PAC, but Ford would, despite Toyota having a number of employees based here in the United States. There are already strict laws on the books that would prohibit a foreign national from being part of the PAC board or for contributing to the PAC. But what this bill would do is it would 
pull those guidelines back even further and prohibit the company from having a PAC at all. We'd move on to the final piece of legislation and really has gotten a lot more traction over the past few months than either of the two bills that we talked about. And this is a ban on congressional stock ownership. So a number of members of Congress uh, in both parties have been pushing for a complete ban on all members and their families owning stocks. They still have to work out the details. These pieces of legislation are not quite ready for prime time, but it's definitely under consideration and it's something that has a lot of momentum going forward. So this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with corporate PACs, but what it does have to do with is sort of the relationship that members of Congress have with the companies that they represent and that, that operate in the economy that they regulate. So if members of Congress are seen as by assumption to be doing something suspicious when they're interacting with these companies, it would mean that there's going to be an increasing skepticism towards their activity and towards their interactions. It's going to limit the amount of not just influence that corporations would have, but also the interactions they would have with them. It's hard to understand what a stock trade is and understand the financial system if you yourself aren't able to have any and you're not able to participate in that system. If you're not really meeting with members of a corporation or an employee, you're not quite able to understand that company as well as someone who could. So there's a lot of impacts that we could see down the line if Congress continues to look at ways that would legislate a disengagement from the economy and from the broader corporate America. Andy Jones, Federal Street Strategies, thank you for setting the table and giving us all a briefing on these really important bills. Thanks, Michaela. It's great to be here as always. So now that we have the lay of the land on some of the bills under consideration in the 117th Congress that mean to do harm to our industry, let's turn to someone with a tremendous amount of experience and perspective on these issues. Bradley A. Smith is the chairman and founder of the Institute for Free Speech, and he's one of the nation's foremost campaign finance law experts. You know, Michaela, he also served as a commissioner of the Federal Election Commission, including time as vice chair in 2000. 2003 and chairman in 2004. I caught up with Brad the day after the State of the Union address this weekend. We talked about all three bills that Andy just briefed us on. Here's some of that conversation. This piece of legislation, H.R. 6283, the Get Foreign Money Out of U.S. Elections Act, which has a title that I think most people would fundamentally think is a positive one, it says it aims to amend the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971, and it would ban the contribution expenditures of foreign-owned domestic business entities. Now, you know this, but there's already a ban on contributions to federal campaigns by foreign nationals. Wouldn't this bill be punitive against Americans who happen to work for a company who has a foreign parent, otherwise eligible Americans who would be active in the campaign finance system being put on the sideline? Yeah, there are two different proposals that are that are coming out in, in various times. One is to, uh, under the Federal Election Campaign Act, an election is a candidate election. So it's never applied, the ban on foreign spending in elections has not applied to issue campaigns ballot campaigns and that sort of thing. So one effort is to expand the definition of election to include these votes in states that have ballot referendums like California or Ohio where I live or, or other places like that. The reason we've not generally defined that as part of the election process is that there's not that fear, so to speak, of corrupting an office holder with campaign contributions, right? You're, you're voicing a message and the voters ultimately have to, to decide on it. So that's one aspect. And then the other aspect has gone, and it ties in, by the way, to the Banned Corporate PACs Act that I think we're going to discuss. And that is the idea that we need to, to shut down foreign companies from participating in candidate elections. Now, how do they do that? 
as you point out, foreign corporations and foreign citizens, individuals are already prohibited from contributing or, or making expenditures in U.S. elections, candidate elections. But in the corporate realm, foreign co- company means a foreign company. So a company that's headquartered in the United States or incorporated in the United States is not considered a foreign company, even though it may have a parent company overseas. Now, to, to clarify that for folks, to be clear, uh, that U.S. companies still cannot have foreign nationals making its decisions about any political activities it engages in, including activities through its political action committee. And furthermore, the FEC in a series of rulings has made clear that, for example, a a Saudi billionaire prince couldn't establish a corporation in the United States as a subsidiary, right? Put $10 million into it and then have it start using that money for political communications. In other words, any political activity by the corporation has to come from its revenues and funding in the United States, not just from some kind of capital infusion. So you can't launder it through a corporation. And I don't know that one really starts to look at if has there really been a problem with foreign companies evading that ban in some way or invading those restrictions. I don't think there has. You know, we think about, for example, let's take a company that is consistently voted literally the most patriotic company in the United States in terms of public perception, Jeep. Jeep is foreign owned. Right. Um, and, you know, a few years ago, uh, I believe it's no longer the case, but I, me- I remember a few years ago, Verizon still had majority ownership, a British company. You know, a ban here would limit it. Verizon's ability, a company based in New Jersey with uh, like 30,000 American employees from voicing its political views, but not their American domestic rivals, which might be trying to, you know, reduce competition by doing something that would limit Verizon's ability to participate in the market. So I, I don't think people sometimes have, have thought through, you know, when, when we're talking uh, foreign corporations, so to speak, or US, what we really should say is U.S. subsidiaries of foreign corporations, we are talking U.S. subsidiaries. These are companies that employ sometimes tens of thousands of Americans that are headquartered here, that invest here. And, and again, note that their political actions have to be guided by American citizens under the law. And if we focus this down to the voter level, to the citizen level, employee-funded political action committees are exactly that. They are voluntary contributions, after-tax contributions to a political action committee. You can only do that if you're an American citizen eligible to vote. To what extent are you taking the rights of American citizens to participate in the campaign finance and political system away just because of where they work? That's a great question, and it's a great point. Uh, Under Citizens United now, these corporations can make direct expenditures in elections. So it's a broader issue than it once was. But they still can't make contributions. Contributions are only made through PACs, through political action committees. And as you point out, only American citizens can contribute to the PAC. So even if you have a foreign-owned subsidiary, and maybe it has some foreign managers working in it, right, they can't contribute to the PAC. Only the U.S. citizens can contribute to the PAC. You're right. We were kind of shutting out American citizens who may have important voices, important views to add to the debate, including the view, for example, that maybe we shouldn't try to take action to drive these foreign companies out of the United States because me, an American citizen, will lose my job. You know, that's that's a message they have a right to convey. So let's turn the page. H.R. 2692, this is the Banned Corporate PACs Act. This is a direct, through-the-front-door assault on the ability of employee-funded and business trade association PACs to even exist. This is one of the most fundamental and transparent ways with the oversight and regulation of the Federal Election Commission that regular working Americans can come together to 
have their voice amplified and make a difference in the political debate. Give us a gut check. Get people thinking about what this could represent and how we should think about it. Sure. The you know the so-called reform community, uh, the groups that tend to argue for campaign finance reform, as they call it, by which they usually mean more regulation, ha- has always had kind of a love-hate relationship with PACs. Um, at times, PACs have been the big villain. At other times, they've been the, the savior. So it's important to remember what a PAC is, and you've already touched on that. I mean, a PAC is voluntary contributions from people who happen to work for or own stock in a company. And in that respect, they've got a common interest, much like we might think of a credit union or a nonprofit organization or anything else that comes along. They've got a common interest, and they want to promote that interest in the political realm. And again, it's only U.S. citizens that are making these uh, contributions to the PAC. And what these these bills do, the Ban Corporate PACs Act, and there's a Senate companion sponsored by Senator uh, Kelly of Arizona. You know what they do, by the way. Note is they exempt nonprofit corporations. So this is an interesting idea. Of course, most nonprofit corporations, most advocacy groups are nonprofit corporations. So you would have all kinds of nonprofit organizations. There's nonprofit hospitals. You know, most people go into a nonprofit hospital and they see a gorgeous gleaming lobbies and executive suites if they ever get up there. And they know that they're charged through the nose, but they don't have to pay because their insurance company pays. I mean, nonprofits can make a lot of money and wield a lot of political power and influence in a community or in a state. And, and so it's kind of a weird idea that we're going to privilege a, a certain set of, of companies and interest and against uh, another set of companies and interest represented by their employees through PACs. Uh, I think it's a, an unwise idea. And I suspect in this case, you know, I, I, I always try to take arguments at face value in these things and so not to be overly cynical. But Senator Kelly, for example, is facing a really tough re-election campaign. And, and I, I think it's just a way to show, look, I'm a, I'm a great guy fighting for the common man. But when you really think it through, these corporate PACs are a way in which the common person working for a company can express uh, their views. Such great stuff here, Adam. What did Brad have to say about the bipartisan ban on Congressional Stock Ownership Act of 2022? Yeah, you know, Brad suggested that we think about the proposed ban and its impact like this. Well, you know, how about if we said, well, uh, members of Congress can't use banks <laughs> because they might represent the bank interest or they have funds deposit with the bank. There, there's a, a continuing strand in American politics of kind of believing that our representatives should be uh, and, and by the way, this is, goes goes deep through the history of philosophy, right? It's almost a platonic view of, of representatives as being separate from the body politic. And they, and they sit back and they somehow have this kind of book wisdom that enables them to make good decisions. Uh, I'm not sure that's really the best thing we want in our representatives to have them totally disconnected from American life. You know, they're they're not concerned anymore with the stock market because <laughs> I, I think a lot of Americans, including ordinary Americans who only hold stocks through mutual funds and index funds and so on, and their pensions are very concerned about the stock market. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that this effort to sort of wall off our elected representatives from American life in the in the theory that they might be corrupted is a good idea. And as you point out, there are a lot of restrictions. I mean, they have uh, public disclosure forms uh, that have to be filed and so on. So we do have ways of, of knowing if we think that a member is sacrificing the interest of his constituents or of the United States for some dollars in their pension account. But, you know, realistically, it's, it's pretty tough to argue that that's a, a 
you know, a major problem, particularly when we give the, you know, we think about a U.S. House member, he's one of 435 people. So if you've got a U.S. House member and they have a whole bunch of stock, you know, in, in a company, you know, I, I think the body politic can handle that. Voters will, can know it because it does become disclosed information. It's an important topic, Adam, and, you know, really thank you for bringing Brad Smith and the Institute for Free Speech's viewpoints on all of this to us for consideration. I know that both Brad and Andy both agree that none of these bills are likely to find their way to the president's desk in this session of Congress. But for our industry and the employees and members who support their PACs, we'll keep a close eye on all of it. Many thanks to Brad Smith and Andy Jones and to all of you listening and sharing the show. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About Packs podcast.